Grace and peace, you're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think better about race in a way that is biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at youwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. I'm Austin Suter, one of the co-hosts here with Isaac Adams. How you doing, Isaac? Hey, man. Uh, it's a gray day in D.C. And uh, just as we pray here at the beginning, I want to. I just want to look at the the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector uh, in Luke 18. So I'm just going to. It's short as Jesus's parables are. I'm just going to read it real quick. And Jesus said, and and Luke says he also told this parable. To some who were who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Uh, And Austin, I read that just because I think... um, there is a lesson for all of us in this. And um, it, it's just, I've been thinking about prayer. I was telling you this, I've been thinking about prayer and how it reveals really what we believe. So I'm sitting here six blocks from the Capitol uh, and and watching the video of the insurrectionist, you know, praying, uh, allegedly, um, and and seeing, okay, this is what these people believe. And, you know, whether it be Richard Allen being kicked out of a church in a moment of prayer, prayer reveals, prayer is what we do in secret and who we are in secret is who we are. So someone just said that. I thought that was good. And, you know, prayer is this intimate revealing, revealing of ourselves. And, you know, that tax collector, he's revealing what he thinks of himself and what he thinks of others. Uh, and so we ought to be those who pray, God be that, um, that God would be merciful to us. So let me just do that and we'll get started. Okay. Father, we come to you with the confession that we are like other men, that, uh, we are in need of your grace and our simple plea is that you would be merciful to us sinners. Father, we thank you that we can come to you in the confidence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we are justified, yet a sinner. And yet, Lord, we know that's only because of Christ. And we know we are still works in progress. And we know that we ought to take heed lest we fall. So we thank you for the truth coming to light pray that justice would be served and father we pray that we would look to you and stay near the cross in jesus christ's name we pray amen amen 
Well, let's switch gears a little bit. We want to do something a little bit different in this episode than what we usually do, which is we want to just go through a passage of scripture and talk about its implications for us. And that passage is Acts chapter six. Isaac, do you want to read that for us? Yeah, man. Flipping there right now. It's just in Luke. Let's head over to Acts six. We're looking at verses one to seven, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Let me go ahead and read that. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These men they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith." Well, thank you for doing that, and it it pleased me so much to hear you struggle through those Greek names. So, I mean, bro, I like forgot that those were there, and I was like, "Yeah, Austin, of course, asked me to read this." I did. Here we are, and I was just like, "What?" It brought me glee. Yes, I. uh, God, thank you that I'm not like this man. All right, yes. (laughs) All right, so Act Six. It united we pray. We talk about racial strife. Is there a one-to-one comparison between what's going on? Uh, between the Hellenists and the Hebrews? Like, what is that? Is that a racial problem? What, what's going on? That's a great question, man. Um, I'm just looking at the ESV. They even have a footnote on that word Hellenist. Uh, they say that is Greek-speaking Jews. Uh, so we're dealing with Jews and Jews. We're dealing with a cultural difference here. I don't think we're dealing with race per se. I don't think that idea of race, you know, uh, that kind of construct based off of skin color and uh, notions of inferiority and superiority, that is there. Uh, I think that would be kind of reading that into the text. But I do think you have the basics of group against group and cultural difference. So while it's not, you know, one-to-one per se, um, you know, I do think you have kind of cultural, perhaps even ethnic kind of tensions there that if it's not one to one, there's certainly next door applications for us to take. So this is just an example of yet another way people have been dividing and figuring out ways to pick on each other since the fall. Exactly. Well said. So this event before, as we set sort of our, our guard for this, what's going on? What are the important categories of this event that are helpful to us in our situation, acknowledging that there are differences? Yeah, I think, you know, one is that, uh, what, you know, you used the word people earlier, which is true. I just make it even a little more specific. We're talking about Christians here. So clearly, you know, as Christians, we're not immune, uh, you know, so we're in Acts, 
the church has literally just been birthed, meaning the spirit has come. All these converts have, uh, by God's grace, miraculously heard the gospel, repented and believed. Uh, you know, Peter has preached. He's gone from this cowering disciple to this lion preacher, uh, talking about this Jesus whom you crucified. Uh, and the church is coming together and sharing all things in common. Um, and yet they are still, they are still sinners and and dividing as sinners do. Uh, and one thing I think we see is that, yeah, Christians aren't immune to this. And we see that the church itself is not immune to this. This is, this is, if I can use the word, a systemic issue within this church. There's a systematic structural problem. You know, it does, I don't think we're just dealing with, oh, personal biases, they don't like us, which may very well be the case, but, uh, or it may or may not be the case. You know, it, it likely is. But uh, it's beyond that. It's okay. Now this is affecting this distribution, uh, and that kind of disunity lies about the power of the gospel, uh, because God's people aren't to harm one another; they're to take care of one another and lift one another up. Uh, so th- those are some off the top of my head. Yeah. So you mentioned that the issue was systemic in that it it related to a broader structure and a distribution of food or assets, if we were going to name that issue, what would you call it? Would you call it partiality? Would you call it injustice? What do you think is the best way to describe it? Yeah. You know, I'm good with both of those. Uh, you know, they're going to be different lenses on, it's certainly partiality and that hence we have James show no partiality. So no means none, whether it be based on gender, race, class, political party, whatever it may be, we don't show partiality, period, as Christians. Um, and it is an injustice. I mean, it's an un, it's it's unrighteousness. And so, um, you know, we can talk about the way groups are carrying that out against one another. Uh, but I think both of those, I think the Bible gives us both. I don't think we have to pick one. I think that's the sad reality of sin. It tends to compound on itself. Sins are rarely isolated. Yeah. You know, there's pride and partiality. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And we did a uh, an installment of our word study series on what happens when you mix partiality or injustice with power. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, it's, as you say, things compound. We should link to that episode in our show notes. Um, so what's the solution? If that's the problem, what do what does the church see as the solution? Well, it's interesting, you know, I think it's interesting that, uh, or even hope giving that there is a solution presented. And here uh, we see it if we just keep reading. You know, it's just such a good Bible principle. Just keep reading. You know, the apostles come and they, it's, what's interesting is that they throw the issue back to the church. They, you know, they say, we're not going to give up the word of God in prayer. So, you know, these issues. Uh, don't have to distract us from gospel proclamation, uh, nor should they. But that doesn't mean they said, hey, we're just, you know, all we're going to do is preach. All we're going to do is be about the word of God in prayer. No, they give the issue back to the congregation. They say, think about this and set up people to deal with this kind of stuff. And so uh, the church deals with it in thinking through the solution. And they say, pick out for yourself, uh, you know, seven men to handle this. And what's interesting is that number seven, so it's not six where, you know, hey, pick three Hellenists and pick three Hebrews. uh, And, you know, we'll have this, you know, equally represented, uh, you know, you will have kind of just this board of equal representation. It's this odd number. So some decision has to be made. And the church, uh, you know, this is, you know, 
while Jews did take Greek names, uh, you know, I think there's a little detail here that all of those are Greek names. And the church seems to bend over backward to say, oh, we want to make this right. And I think that's beautiful. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't think uh, necessarily we're setting up committees in all our churches when we see different uh, issues, though I think we have freedom in Christ to do that. But what I see is dying to self, bending over backwards, deferring to the weaker group uh, in that sense uh, that I think is deeply Christian. And your dog is amening me, and I love it. Yeah, I had my, my show mic muted because I was kind of expecting that from him. He's very worked up about something. <laughs> well, I trust it's the word of God. All right. So what do they do? They uh, find people competent to address the problem. They treat the problem as serious. Uh, they don't ignore it. But then what do they not do? They, they don't stop preaching and praying and doing the work of the church. And... I, like you said, this is just so instructive for us because it it shows us what the church is to be about, mm-hmm. but it doesn't let us ignore other things, and it treats That's those right. issues as serious. That's right, and it makes it our business to deal with them because we don't want stuff like that to distract from the mission of the church. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and that stuff will ultimately undermine uh, the very gathering that we the very gathering in Christ's name that we make when we come together. Um, and uh, yeah, Satan will be pleased at that. So what are some parallels we can draw? Like what, what are issues you see the church um, where we might be tempted to ignore them or uh, tempted to just, you know, say, well, let's just preach the gospel. Um, how, how does this Acts six passage instruct us today? Yeah, two thoughts that come to mind. First is, you know, we did, I, I love the way we kicked off the season, bro, with, uh, you know, talking about gratitude in your church and how important it is for unity. But we want to be, you know, we want to be clear, you know, the scripture, God says a complaint by the Hellenists arose. And he does not go on here to say, well, the Hellenists just need to, you know, put up and shut up and get along with the program and, you know, Uh, You know, there are other texts that talk about enduring suffering uh, graciously, but this isn't one of them. This gives us, uh, this gives us, this supplies us with a different nuance. In other words, what I'm trying to say is we need to listen to complaints. We can't just treat them as, oh, you know, stop, you know, stop, stop talking to me about this. And it isn't even necessarily sinful because the complaint was accurate, Right. So I think there's it was it was a true thing. They were a true issue. They were raising up within the church. So it's not like, hey, we are, uh, you know, above um, or beyond just criticism. And I mean, goodness, how many conversations in, about race would change in our churches if we would just remember, I am not, and this church is not beyond just criticism, and we actually have some blind spots. Uh, so I think that's one about uh, the goodness of what I would just call godly complaining uh, in that sense. Uh, so that would be one uh, implication uh, that I would think is a useful parallel for us. Well, I think that point is really good. I appreciate you starting there. And it's not like we want to encourage criticism or, you know, become perpetual critics, but 
you know, we also want to be humble and recognize that we're not perfect and this side of glory, we're going to need correction. And so it's right. so easy to be defensive just as a posture. If somebody points out, you know, a way a church or leadership in a church or just me and my normal life could be doing things better, loving people more. I, I don't like hearing that, but I should. Right. Right. And even the matters, you know, this is, I don't mean this as a one for one, but the matters we opened up this podcast praying about, uh, with, you know, this pro this prolific ministry leader, like clearly not listening to critique or counsel. Uh, and I'm not saying we will necessarily become that of course, but I'm saying that, that, that in of itself is the parable of teaching us, uh, to listen. Um, and uh, I remembered the other one because you brought up leadership. One thing I think this also shows us, um, Austin, is that the pastors shouldn't fix everything in your church, nor can they. Oh, that's good. You know, when folks come up well-meaning and they're like, hey, this is going on in our church. And the implication is 9.9 times out of 10. So fix it, leader. You know, I got, you know, it's like my kids coming to you like, you know, dad, you know, Teddy took this from me and the implication is we'll fix this injustice. Um, you know, if my daughter's saying that about her brother, well, you know, that might work for three-year-olds and two-year-olds, but in the church, we should be beyond three-year-old, you know, we might have three-year-olds in Christ, but we should also have mothers and fathers in the church working through these things. We want to deal with them as mature saints. So it's not just on the leadership to quote unquote, fix a problem. No, all of us are involved. The congregation is involved. This is, uh, this isn't just, Hey, leader, pastor, fix it. It's like, no, I have an obligation to speak the truth, to make sure, um, to make sure, uh, that I'm walking and others are walking with justice and mercy, love and faithfulness within this congregation. Uh, so I don't just sit back and kind of critique the issue and kick it up uh, and outsource it. No, I want to get my hands involved uh, by God's grace. Yeah, I, I, there's a whole launch pad that I'm trying to resist about, you know, our our good Baptist ecclesiology and not, you know, trusting the work of the ministry to professionals but assuming that we are all invested, all involved, all responsible as believers, as a kingdom of priests, but I'll just do a drive-by on that and keep it moving. I was going to say, don't worry, all the Presbyterian listeners are feeling the exact shade you you intend to be throwing, but I... <laughs> uh, why subtweet them? You know, uh, let's just Amen. name it, and I love my Presbyterian friends. Amen. Amen. Well, yes, we can, we can, I mean, we'll continue to talk about, you know, Baptist confessions at United We Pray and we are Baptists and we're not ashamed about it. Uh, and, and we have Presbyterians write for us regularly and we love them. Amen. We do. And they are deeply involved in our work. Absolutely. Uh, so we love you, our Presbyterian brothers. You can go on and send your complaints to us via email and we will listen to them. Yes, we will. This text. Anything else you want us to notice about this text before we pray? Just opening it up to any other general observations man thanks for that i mean i don't think so i mean i think we i think we got there i think it's i think it's instructive for us i think it shows us again we want to be doers of the word and we want to apply the scriptures uh to our life and times and it shows us i think it should just be really encouraging to us too on one level i mean bro these 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 people have seen tongues of fire these these people have seen this is the you would think the church would start off right at least at the beginning 
And no, it's just, yeah, it's, it's messy. It's hard. And it always has been that way. And it will always be that way until Jesus comes back. But look, you know, the apostles clearly aren't saying, well, fold up your hands. Jesus is coming back. You know, I tweet about heaven every day, uh, or at least try to. And um, I'm excited about heaven. And yet we have good work to be doing down here in our churches. And goodness, you know, I brought up Richard Allen earlier, thinking about that with Black History Month. This is Valentine's Day weekend that we're recording that. Richard Allen's birthday was um, he was born on Valentine's Day, uh, and he was kicked out of a white church during prayer. And goodness, we are still, our churches are still feeling the divisions uh, that that him being kicked out and then starting, you know, black church denomination, uh, we are still echoing in those divisions and struggling to come back together and to talk to one another. So yeah, man, I just think there's all sorts of encouragement here for us. Um, and that we wouldn't just turn a blind eye and kind of keep going on with our life. I think it's just so easy to do that uh, because clearly, uh, you know, others can be suffering while we don't know it, you know? Yeah. The Hellenists knew it. Our wit. I mean, look, this is their widows, that most vulnerable group. And James is saying true religion is what? Visit orphans and widows in their distress. I could keep going, but we should get going to prayer. Well, I'll just close with one other thought that you provoked in that, which is in my work right now for United We Pray, I read a lot of pretty depressing stuff. Like right now I'm working through a stack of books, just recounting racism in American Christianity over the years. And it's, it's honestly really discouraging, Mm. but it's, it's oddly encouraging when I read the Bible and just see what a mess God's people are throughout the whole book. And the Bible doesn't pretend we're better than we are. That's right. It just points us to the one man that was perfect. Amen. And we, and that's right. And that we have the freedom to, like, I got nothing to defend. That's like, right. The worst thing you can say about me is not as worse, as not even accurate to what it really is. Um, so, yeah, man, that's a, that's a wonderful reflection. Um, thank you for that. Well, let's close in prayer. I'll start us and you can finish us. But thank you for your, your time and reflections on this passage. Oh, brother, I'm glad. Fun just swimming in the text with you. Yeah, I like that. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us about ourselves, what it teaches us about you, what it teaches us about the church. Lord, we pray that we would take this passage to heart, that we in all of our churches would um, own the work of the ministry, that we would be concerned about the welfare of others, that we would be concerned about justice, that we would... Uh, consider our brothers and sisters' well-being as our business that we need to tend to. Um, And Lord, we just pray that you help us to hear criticism and complaint and critique well. Mm -hmm. Um, Pray that you would make us humble to do that. None of us are above it. We all need it. Um, And none of us like it. So we pray that you would um, just increase our humility, help us to hear that better uh, so that we can become more like you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, um, as my brother has reminded us, uh, we are a mess, but we rejoice because we are your mess and we are a beloved mess. Uh, and we thank you for your grace to us, uh, Lord, and that you deal with us in all our sin and you deal with us perfectly. Uh, you are always perfect in your correction 
in all the things you do, in all your ways, you are perfect and wonderful. How, how unsearchable are your ways? How vast the sum of them? Father, we can't count them. Uh, so, Lord, we, we come to you with the confession and the plea that we are sinners in need of your grace and mercy. We pray that you would help our churches, uh, Lord, to be more humble in that regard, uh, to, to see solution. We know not everything can be fixed in a fallen world, but, Father, we pray that we fix what we can and what we should fix. Uh, give us wisdom. Uh, Lord, help us to lay down our rights. Uh, make us less defensive. Uh, make us see our common humanity with others and not focus on what separates us, whether it be our race or our perceived sense of righteousness. Lord, keep us near the cross, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the time, brother. Thank you, bro. Good to have you, uh, friends. Thank you for joining us uh, on the podcast here in season seven. Lord willing, we'll have more coming for you. Grace and peace. Oh